Rad. Easy on the wallet, but is it worth your time? We experience every definition of the word gnarly in order to find out here on Broke and Gaming. Welcome absolutely everyone to Broke and Gaming. I am your first host, Shay. And I'm your other host, Dan. And uh, we've got some business to take care of before we get into what we've been playing this week. That is correct. <laughs> we've spent a lot of time on this podcast dunking on Stadia for not having a search feature. And it was brought to our attention by Twitter user The Stadia Life that there is a search function on Stadia. However, it is only available to you if you sign in slash up for Stadia, which I've never done because it's fucking Stadia. So we're eating our words a little bit this week because all of the jokes we've made about not being able to find things on Stadia, not true. Yeah, we have to eat crow a little (laughs) bit. I mean, I still think it would behoove them to allow you to search for things to see whether or not it's worth signing up but right we were technically wrong i mean yes that was the the user that pointed it out to us and we got into just a little bit of a beef <laughs> before we discovered this on our own because like what they should have done is oh oh yeah no what you can do is you can sign in and then you can search it was more like attacking us a little bit because that's how twitter works and then we had to actually do research which (laughs) that's fine (laughs) so yeah as it's now been pointed out uh, research is probably what we should have done in the first place we are a low budget podcast in every sense yeah it is what it is we're we're not going to make jokes at stadia's expense anymore we'll figure out a different target i guess but we do have some good news or at least shay has some good news for us i do have some good news this past week i uh, was officially introduced as the co-host of another podcast friend of the show lex has a podcast called virtually analog which has been reformatted with my introduction as host it is an unofficial board game arena podcast now basically lex and i stream some board games on board game arena every wednesday night and then after we're done, we talk about it and then put up the episodes on Fridays. So if you want to check that out, you can do so at anchor.fm slash virtually analog. I'm, I'm so, so stoked that this is happening. Once I got over my internal paranoia of abandonment, I was <laughs> super excited. <laughs> Board Game Arena is so cool. Genuinely, it's it's one of the best services online right now. And it, it, it felt like it was really pandemic driven. And I know that... Mm-hmm. That's certainly Lex's take on it as well, that because people couldn't get together to play board games, this is a way to do that remotely, and it's it's awesome. It's so cool. My first episode, I kind of went through my experience with Board Game Arena, and I don't necessarily like board games in Meat Space because there's, like, pieces and, like, cards, and, like, you have to figure out all of the rules yourself instead of, like, Board Game Arena takes all of the uncertainty of the game out of it for you because it does, like, the hard calculations for you. So, yeah, I really love Board Game Arena as well, but I'm very excited to be on this this show and dan you don't have to worry about abandonment because i don't have to edit that one so as long as that remains unchanged i am perfectly comfortable doing two shows yeah yeah that (laughs) i mean that was a good deal of my initial concern (laughs) 
<laughs> I would not I would not have agreed if I had to edit both of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally fair. But uh but hey Shay, what have you been playing recently? Recently, Dan, I've been playing Kotar, of course. Uh, of course. I I finally started playing We Happy Few today. Okay, yeah. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. I'm not much of a fan of that game so far because well, first off, it has my my least favorite mechanic ever, uh weapon decay. Yeah. And also like hunger and thirst and fatigue. It's like a weirdly more realistic Bioshock game. Like that's how it felt to me. Yeah. With the decay and and things like that. Like it plays very similarly to Bioshock. Right. In my opinion. What a fucking weird game though. Yeah, I I wasn't a huge fan either. The story is actually really good. That's its right. one saving grace. Like, well, that's that's what I think my issue with the game is, is that like it has such a strong story that I've seen so far that it's such a huge letdown that it is like not fun to play. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I don't know. I wanted it to be better. Right. The trailers for it looked so good. And I like alternate history kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Like that. But yeah, just uh, it's just something about it. I couldn't I couldn't get into. Right. Despite the story being so good. Right. Like, I ended up just researching what everything was and meant. <laughs> yeah. At one point, when I, I bailed on the game, because I just needed to know so badly. Right. I haven't gotten too far into it. I'm going to give it a, probably two more plays, but I don't know that this one's going to stick with me. Yeah. Yeah. The last thing that I've been playing is Yakuza Like a Dragon. Yes. Which has been incredibly fun. Yeah, um, it's... um. I like the series a lot. Yeah. This stands out because it, I think I may have mentioned it on the podcast before, but this whole thing started as a April Fool's prank. Right. Yeah. It's it's very much an April Fool's prank game. <laughs> yeah. Sega posted a, a video how the next game was going to be an RPG and fans were like, no, 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 like, please actually do that. And they changed the direction midway through development you're like oh i guess we'll actually implement this right which is insane isn't it wild when you ask people who you want to play your game what they want and they tell you and then you make it like what an absolutely novel idea yeah fucking crazy yeah i can't think of another example of that level of fan service yeah in gaming especially from a really established franchise like that What what have you been playing dan I've been playing some games uh, ahead of the curve for the podcast. Gotcha. And honestly, mobile games. I just keep cycling through <laughs> bad mobile games to try them out. <laughs> right. And it's it's strictly a time thing. Like, I bailed on the one match three game that I was playing because it. I got to the point where it's like, well, now you're going to have to start paying if you want to get any further. Right. And I'm not doing that. You know what I did for a while? You know on Facebook how you'll get ads for those ones where it's like, how many pizzas can you make? Or what's the coolest sword you can make? And they're all the exact same game where it's just like running down a line and going through like gates. Okay. I've been trying a bunch of those just <laughs> for the hell of it. And and they're all awful. I don't know. I don't know why this market is as... And I guess maybe it's because idiots like me click on them and give them a shot and then they get just a little bit of ad revenue because between almost every run you do 
you'll get a, a skippable ad, but that must be fueling the machine enough to justify it. Right. The thousands of these types of games. <laughs> but they're all terrible. Every yeah. every fucking one of them. Yeah. There's one developer, I think they're called Voodoo, that genuinely has probably a hundred different versions of that exact type of game. I just find that fascinating. I'm going to make a quiz about it at some point. I think. <laughs> there was one game that I was playing for a while. It, it was another one of those kind of gate things where it's like dump whatever from the top. And it, it's it's like Plinko, essentially. Oh, yeah. Like sure. that, that kind of feel. And I was, quote, number one ranked in the world. This is a thing I was doing for a while while Kit was asleep. Like, just because it was, I could do it with no sound. And it was, it was an insomnia engine, really. And I was supposedly number one ranked in the world, but every single time I would bring it back up, I had to start taking note of what the names were below me, and they were just randomly generated nonsense. <laughs> like, they're like, I don't know, just say whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, he's not going to get any better. Turns out the, you're the only player in the world. He's number one. It, it could very well be. I don't know. It's... I don't even know why you would do world rankings at that point, or even the illusion thereof, but it's fine. Yeah. There has to be money to be made. I just don't understand the model, so... Yeah. Good on you, Voodoo, and all the companies like them. Yeah. But enough about that. I'm not... I'm not... I gotta stop bringing up mobile games on this podcast. <laughs> Let's get into this week's game, and we will start, as we always start, with our short change history. This week's game is Rad, which is a 2019 action roguelike developed by Double Fine Studios and published by Bandai Namco Entertainment. Double Fine was founded in 2000 by video game designer and director Tim Schafer after his departure from LucasArts, where he was responsible for helping create notable titles such as The Day of the Tentacle, Grim Fandango, and the Monkey Island series. In 2005, Double Fine released their first game, the wildly successful indie hit Psychonauts. As one of the biggest names in indie gaming for the better part of two decades, Double Fine produced and published dozens of independent titles, with Rad being their final release before being acquired by Microsoft Interactive in 2019. As previously mentioned in our Who Botcha quiz in the Cozy Grove episode, after the acquisition, Double Fine were permitted to release one final multi-platform game to fulfill a Kickstarter promise, which was fittingly the long-anticipated Psychonauts 2. Bandai Namco, of course, is the powerhouse producers of some of the biggest game franchises in history, including Pac-Man, Tekken, Ridge Racer, Time Crisis, and Soul Calibur, just to name a few. Rad is currently available for Windows, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo Switch, and, oh hey, potential new target, Amazon Luna. Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) We're just not going to post about it on Twitter. So Shay... Can you tell us a little bit about what Rad actually is? I would love to, Dan. In Rad, you play as a child sent to do an adult's job because adults suck (laughs) after a double apocalypse in a wasteland called the Fallow. In the Fallow, you fight all these kind of gruesome monsters, and as you kill and gain experience from them, you develop mutations, which help you uh, fight further in. These mutations include, but are not limited to, a skill where you can drop an egg that hatches a little minion that attacks for you, throw fire with your arm, throw your arm as a boomerang, or take your head off and throw it as a bomb. Yeah. 
as you're playing through the worlds, you're revitalizing the fallow because wherever you step, some kind of grass thing pops up after you. All in a quest to get a new power source for your failing community. Yeah. So this this game is really fucking good and one of the more frustrating roguelikes <laughs> I've played. So off mic, before we started, we were kind of comparing notes and this game, maybe more than any other roguelike, is so drastically dependent on your buffs and mutations and pickups and everything like that to, to have a, a successful run. Like in Hades, I could get pretty far even with some bad buffs. Right. Or like just yeah. bad random things. This one, you can get so much further with just one or two really, really good mutations. It It's astounding. And I'm very bad at this game. <laughs> the one you had mentioned where you, you can make little children, essentially, death row. That is far and away, it feels like the best exo mutation out of everything. Yeah. Because you just play keep away with the enemies for the entire thing. Right. And if you have that in combination with like the hot foot where the the ground fire doesn't affect you or any any one of the versions where like the the radioactive puddles don't affect you. Yeah. You don't have to fight anything ever. You just <laughs> keep spawning children and let them do the dirty work. It's wild. Yeah. So you had mentioned a couple during um, your explanation of the game. There are 19 exo mutations in total which are kind of your attacking types. And several of them can be upgraded to make them more powerful. For example, with the firearm, you can get larger projectiles or throw multiple handfuls of projectiles because you're limited to, I believe, three exomutations per run. Correct. And then in addition to that, there are also the endo mutations, which are things like making you impervious to fire on the ground or like strength buffs and things like that. Like, there's so much going on, and that's not even including all the items that you can pick up that'll give you different buffs as well. There's so much in this game. Yeah. What are some of your other favorite mutations? So, Firearm is my favorite. I like that one a lot. I mean, obviously, the Death Row one, very good. I like that one a lot because the little minions also draw enemies away. The strategy for, like, Firearm and death row are essentially the same except that death row doesn't have enemies attacking you but yeah you have a, a melee based character and i spent the whole game trying to play ranged <laughs> yeah because some so many of the enemies are just fucking dirty like they're so yeah, cheap dude. especially like the alphas yeah the boss not what's they're the kind like, of bosses what what's like the middle one the alphas are the the bosses but then there's like one, the ones that have the health bars that are throughout the the world. I mean, I just consider them like mini bosses, but like yeah, yeah. when they start spawning just as much as the normal enemy types. Oh my God, it was so progress, fucking early in that game too. Jesus it's so Christ. stressful. Yeah. I'm pretty sure like once I got to the second world, um, the entire like underground area, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I forget what it's called, but like those bunkers, the whole thing was those mini bosses in the second world. Yeah. Uh, the crazy. difficulty ramps up so, so fast, steeply. Yes. <laughs> and, and not just with the enemy types, like everything kind of starts fucking with you. Yeah. At, at such a rapid pace. There are like fake treasure chests that'll throw bombs at you. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
and they don't really do a great job of explaining that these things are going to happen. Like, well, the, the other thing that they don't do a great job of explaining to you is the number of attacks that you can do. Because you have a basic attack, um, you have whatever your exomutations attacks are. There's also a lunging attack that you can do by pressing jump and attack at the same time. Yep. And you can also charge up like a sword spin. And you know how I found that out? By reading the the little blurbs during loading screens. Yeah, and it was forty five minutes it. after I had started playing the game. Yeah, <laughs> I same same thing for the the ground pound. Like you have to use triangle, which I don't know that you use triangle any other time if you're playing on PlayStation. It's I should say I'm really frustrated with how little information they give you or how they parse it out. I guess you use triangle to talk to people. That's like the oh yeah interact yeah. Button. Which, that's so not intuitive that that would be a ground pound right? then, in addition. I think I only knew that that is what happened, the ground pound thing, because I think that happened to be the first loading screen that I got. That's lucky. For real, but like otherwise, I would have been trying to get through that game just knowing how to jump, attack, and use an item. Like, yeah. that's it. There are also a bunch of different machines that they don't... Re like, there are, there's some VO that'll kind of give you, like, lore dumps... But they're so useless. They're very useless. She might as well not be talking. Yeah, especially when it repeats the dialogue. Oh my god! Right? It's like I did this already. Like you know that you know that I've been playing for the same three hours here. Yeah, like, I, I know that I suck, <laughs> and I've been to this exact point forty-five times. But yes, mm -hmm. I know that the builders or menders or whatever built these because blah blah blah. <laughs> I get that. That's great. Doesn't help me in any way. Starting in the second world, because uh, there's only three worlds in total. Okay. Um, which is why the difficulty ramps the way that it does. Gotcha. I think it's like 1-1, one, 1-2, one, one, then 2-1, two, 2-2. Two, two. I think there's three in three, but it's it's like the overall boss of the game is 3-3, is three, three, I think. Gotcha. Starting in the second world, there's a machine that appears that they do not explain, and I was fucking around and just like pressing buttons trying to... It was in, in that bunker area. Yeah. Where you get the endo mutations, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what this thing does, because there hasn't been, like, a negative benefit to using the machines as of yet, although they do throw that into the works as well. There are <laughs> bogus mutations. Oh, Did no. Did you experience any of those? No, I haven't. That's Oh, they suck so bad. Okay, so the bogus mutations are things like bummer arm, where your arm gets withered, and you can toss, like, really crappy projectiles, or... <laughs> bummer buddy which you spawn things that will attack everything okay. including you yeah okay it sucks as if this game wasn't difficult enough already they're just like <laughs> you're randomly gonna get awful mutations that'll ruin your whole run but so this machine as i'm pressing buttons like i, I spawned one of my i tried to spawn one of the children and it swapped my exo mutation for something else like i sacrificed the children which is my favorite mutation for something called beast mode which oh, just turns yeah. into like a big horse thing yeah that you can charge around and for like yeah. a second and a half completely destroyed my best run oh, by doing man. that right i had death row i had um exo brain i had the little galaga plane i had right. both hot foot and the the toxic community like i was unstoppable yeah and then fucking beast mode destroyed me yeah it was so upsetting yeah 
That loadout is sick, dude. That's like getting a healing power in Hades. That's dude. I I was like I'm. I think I can go all the way with this. I, yeah. I have everything. Like, I don't have to do nothing. Yeah. It was. I was so fucking upset because the That's best I brutal. did was two two. Like I did not get past two two just because yeah. the difficulty ramps up as much as it does. The other thing we haven't talked about is the quirks, which are the permanent upgrades that you can earn by killing enemies. As this is a a roguelike, so you keep going back to the beginning. I don't think any of them are that effective. Like I didn't. I don't feel like any of them made a huge noticeable difference. Well, who did you? Which which kid did you use? It just whatever. Like whatever the most recent one that I earned. Oh, gotcha. Okay, I used the second kid, and his quirk was it was essentially that like enemies drop food more often, and I I did notice a significant uptick in food drops in the first world. But then once you get to the second world, it's just as scarce as it was before. So I don't know that they make that much of an impact anyway. See, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I, yeah. I went with... I, I chose the quirk for the floppy disk drops. Yeah. And I would have runs where I'd have none, like, yeah. almost the whole time. Yeah. Then, of course, I would have runs where... I'd have yeah, fourteen, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> floppy disks, and then I'd get the uh, the scuzzy dongle, which reduces the cost. Oh yeah, of unlocks by one, and it's like I I don't know what to do now. I have <laughs> too many. <laughs> I have too many. It's the most random roguelike I've ever played. Yeah, like without question. But I think we can probably get into our pros and cons at this point, just because I I, I it, we're getting there now. Anyway, yeah, I think yeah. I think we're kind of in that territory anyway. Yeah. A big con, obviously, is the lack of explanation. It is fully trial and error. I mean, we we have this problem a lot on this, and I don't expect this from this caliber of studio, like, to just completely abandon you from the word go as far as what you're supposed to do. It's, I want to say lazy, but it seems like a design choice. Yeah. Because the whole lore of this is supposed to be like, we don't know what's out there. Like, we're sending this kid out into the world to try to save us, but, like, we've been here for generations. It's been the 80s for the last 50,000 years. My God. I'm glad you brought that up, Dan, because that's my first con. Okay. Fucking chill with the 80s, okay? I know that everybody at fucking Double Fine saw Stranger Things and was like, hey, what if we did that? Fuck off, all right? The 80s were not that great. They were fine, just like every other decade that's ever happened. And if we can have one less elder playing a keytar to power his fucking magic, I would really fucking appreciate it. They do go really hard into it, to the point of even, like, so many sound-alike songs. There's a song that, if you're not paying attention, it's just Rio by Duran Duran, like, full on. Yep. I I noticed that with a different song, but... I'm sure Take on me. Oh yeah, that was there. the one. Yeah, where it's the it's one of the closest sound alikes I've ever heard. Oh my god! Like, can we just fucking chill? Like, you're gonna get sued for sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't hate it. I do because I mean, it, once you get into the actual game of it, I don't think yeah. it 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 does it as much. It is That's more true. just in your little town. And the music. I mean, the music is integral. This is actually maybe... We do a lot of praising of soundtracks on this podcast. And this one maybe irked me the most. Yeah. <laughs> just because it it's like when you have a dream and you can't quite place why <laughs> something is wrong. 
Yeah. Like, the whole time it, it's bothering you because you're hearing uh, <laughs> Rio by Duran Duran, but not quite. Yeah. It just feels wrong for some reason. Like, it gives you that that slightly sick feeling of, like, something something just is off right now. It yeah. put me on edge in a weird way. I don't know why. Yeah. It made me more stressed out than I needed to be. If you compare <laughs> it to, like, our game in the last episode, that soundtrack is designed to make you anxious, but as a as a design choice for a horror game, this right. is an action <laughs> roguelike. I shouldn't feel anxious because of the music. Right. Absolutely not. And yet? Here we are. Yeah. Big pro, though, is the variety. They Again, they packed so much into this game. Not just with the mutations, but the different pickups as well. That Galaga plane is such a huge benefit. Yeah. But that kind of get... also leads me into a con. Go ahead, Bill. <laughs> Did you get much use out of that? That the Galaga ship? Yeah. Because for me, it fucking shot into rocks all the time. Really? It's like, oh, I see an enemy behind that rock. I know that I can't get it, but I'm going to try. Oh, yeah. If it's if there's like a little barrier. Fucking anything. <laughs> yeah. I'm that that did happen. But like if you're in an open enough play field. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, oh, it's, it's it was super useful beneficial. in the boss fight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But like through the rest of the world, it was not very helpful to me. Not as much. Just yeah. because it's it's procedurally generated stages. Right. Which I guess we should probably have mentioned at some point now. <laughs> well you're still you're still in a pro about randomness, so yeah, you, you can that's talk true. about that. <laughs> that's another benefit. Like every time you go through one one, it's a different layout. Different drops, different locations for for the machines or the caverns or or anything like that like everything is totally different every time you play it just mm-hmm. adding to how random this game ends up being in a in a in a good way yeah if i was this bad <laughs> and the stages were identical i would have given this up immediately right but right. i'm like, still I've playing di- this i've like, died 93 times and i know exactly how to get <laughs> get to the end of the level like yeah that would suck yeah which good roguelike should do that like when we played despot's game and although this is much more robust than that in that sort of way but that's a double-edged sword just because that does mean that you'll get significantly less drops on some or the enemies will just spawn in much meaner ways depending (laughs) but that that kind of rolls into a con on that side as well because again currency is so scarce that when you spend money on something and then it randomly drops anyway, like yeah. with the SCSI dongle, for example, which that's one of the better items that you can get because it reduces key costs to unlock certain areas or, or certain items. If I spend the money on that and then find <laughs> it just in the wild, right. that is hugely frustrating. Yeah. Like you have to make your decision so carefully to not screw yourself over. Right. But without any kind of information on that decision. Yeah. 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 That that sucks so bad. Yeah. I I'm actually curious and I've never like set it up for you before. <laughs> okay. I'm actually curious if we're if we're taking a a trip to a certain corner today. We're not. Okay. We're not. I had I had no issues with corners in this one. I thought you might only because of the falling off the stage aspect. 
You know what? That happened to me one time. Only once? I, I oh, I did it a lot. Once. Yeah. I, I did it a bunch. I could see that happening. You know what did happen to me a bunch is I would almost fall off the stage and then re-maneuver myself mid-jump to get back to the other side of where I was jumping to on the other, like, over out over the great unknown. Yeah. I did do that frequently. I did not have any trouble with corners. If I ran into something, I knew... Like, the physics were right on it, you know? Like, yeah. if I ran into something, it was because I ran into it. So, yeah, I actually I actually had no problems with the corners at all. Cool. Yeah. I think as frustrating this, as this game is, it's gonna end up getting a pretty high rating. I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what's, it's, you know what's really fucked me up on this one? Is that, what's like, that? It's, such a, it's such a cool concept, and it's such a good roguelike, but it's so short. Like, somebody who's used to roguelikes and can kind of, like, you know, maybe gets a little bit lucky on their mutation loadout right away, you could easily beat this game in, like, an hour and a half, you know? Yes, if you you could hypothetically make a straight run on your first one if you just get really, really lucky. See, but I don't know that you need to get really, really lucky. I think you just need to get a little bit lucky. Yeah, well... Being that a lot of the mutations are, for lack of a better term, like experience based, like by yeah. collecting rads, like I could see that screwing you over at some point. Like, yeah, if you didn't use any of them, I don't know that it's it, it it's probably possible to do like a a no exo use run. Yeah, which I'm going to immediately look into as soon as we were <laughs> done recording, just to see yeah. how bad I am compared to the world. <laughs> but. Yeah, if you only rely on on endo mutations like Hotfoot or whatever, yeah, like yeah, I guess it's hypothetically possible to just win with the bat. I don't think I ever could, right? But I have you know a job and a life to maintain. So <laughs> fair enough. I do have one more con. Okay, I don't know if this is like a universal problem or if it was just my specific hardware. I did have like skips in the game yep yep. where it would freeze and that's actually how i lost the first time was i was in the middle of an attack uh it was when i had fucking death row i was lunging and i jumped forward and by the time the game had caught up with me i had burst open a plant that set the ground on fire and i died yeah i experienced a couple little laggy things yeah and i don't know if it's just because my playstation 4 is old or what because I've right. experienced that in other things that, like, would normally run smoothly. Or I remember having run more smoothly. I don't know if that's hardware or software. Right. But yeah, I definitely experienced that as well. Like, I would try to write myself in the air, like, say, if a projectile was coming at me. And then it would do that little skip thing. Yeah. And I'd have gotten hit. And that would be, yeah. like, my last health. Now you're in a completely different situation in the fight. Yeah. Yep. Or you're dead. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No. Yeah, I did so. experience that as well. I'd, I'd like to know if that's a universal thing or, right. or what. But yeah. At any rate, you wanna, you wanna throw some numbers at this. Dan, do you feel that struggling through your chest? <laughs> yeah, actually, but <laughs> I think that's unrelated. <laughs> that exo mutation is the rating system. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, man, until you tell me to stop, They're I'm going to keep making worse. it worse. They're getting so much worse. <laughs> Up first, does it work? Yeah, even with the lagging, 
I don't have a lot of complaints on how you interact with the game. Because even even striking sometimes it felt it felt like there was a bit of a lag, but not enough where it didn't feel like it was my fault somehow. Yeah, it, this game made me do a lot of soul searching of how bad I actually am at games. <laughs> as it turns out, yeah, there, we have a game coming up in the near future where I I kind of felt this same way. It, it's that thing of when you go back and play an SNES game that you absolutely dominated as a child, and now you're just dog shit at. That's how I felt with this, except I didn't play it as a child. I think I'm just getting worse at video games. <laughs> I mean, it very well could be. But none, nothing that I experienced, I think, would bring it any further down than, than a full point. Yeah. I don't think the game responds very well to a attack-dodge combo. It does really well on a dodge-attack combo, but attack dodge like if you're in there trying to get away uh i don't think it does it's not very responsive but i mean that's really the only complaint that i have you know yeah if you get your corners right i'm pretty easy to please yeah honestly (laughs) my my go-to attack style for the longest time was i would do like a jumping attack because that doesn't affect your your three hit combo so I would yeah. almost always get a four hit combo in and then dodge roll away immediately, especially with the ones that like burst into flames where you have to get the fuck out of dodge or yeah. you're taking damage. The dodge roll is OP as fuck in this game, like compared right. to a lot uh, like you can roll through the pools to get collectibles uh, with right. a dodge roll, which makes yeah. zero sense. Like you're right. putting your entire body into the pool at that point. Well, and the other thing, too, is that like for those for a lot of the like the toxic pools you have like a a little bit more than a split second where you're still not taking damage either so like you could theoretically like walk through the entire pool without getting hurt yeah if you if you're quick enough or good enough at games which right you got your fast twitch muscles all set yeah but i think yeah i think a full point is deserved here oh yeah for sure is it engaging? Yeah. Even as frustrating as it can be at times, this is a really, really enjoyable game loop. And it's kind of the hallmark of a good roguelike. Like, if right? I'm immediately ready to go back in, you're doing something very, very right. So this is a full point for sure. Yeah. You know, the idea of a roguelike is that you're doing multiple runs in a row. And if you are comfortable with that i feel like it has to be engaging right yeah and so the fact that i did fucking 36 runs today on this game not 36 that seems that seems high but a ton of runs on this game yeah it's engaging i Mm -hmm. love i love it you know just like i i feel like we didn't talk enough about the like plant growth part of the game uh as as like a discovery trail kind of thing well, not just that, but like first off, you move faster on places that you have walked already. Yeah. So, like if you're in a boss battle, that could very much yeah. change the game for you. But like also it's just like cool to be exploring and find these like dead plants that you can bring back to life and then like the game just changes so significantly in like style and vividity. Yeah. Vividity? Vividness? I don't Uh, know. Vivaciousness. Sure. But yeah, so that has nothing to do with engaging, but like the gameplay loop is incredible. And even if you're not doing well, it's still a 
visually fun experience. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Speaking of, does it look good? I have less of a complaint about the overall aesthetic that you seem to, as far as the 80s thing. Uh, like I said, the the thing that affected me most was soundtrack more so than, than visuals. Like, yeah. I really love the character design, especially when you find the mutated friendly characters in the stages. Like, yeah. I, I really love the designs of all of them. The enemy designs are really cool and really distinct. Like, you know what you're fighting. Like, it's yeah. it, there's very little blending. Right. And when you find ones that are, like, alternate colors, you're like, that one clearly is going to fuck me up with fire. Okay, that changes <laughs> how I'm going to do this. I think everything is really well done and really smart. And as little information as I give you, there's enough breadcrumbs to kind of figure out what's going to happen when yeah. you come across certain enemy types. Yeah. And so design-wise, the look of this, I'm, I like it a lot. I'm, I'm going full point. It's just really irritating to me when games, they like throw all of their eggs into one basket. And so like fucking every adult being an 80s caricature is really yeah. annoying to me. But that, it still looks good. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not my aesthetic, but it looks good. I mean, they kind of just did the Fallout thing. And instead of going with that, that 40s, 50s aesthetic, they went 80s. Oh, dude, they made a fucking Fallout joke in the first like 10 minutes of the game. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Fuck off. But yeah, I still think it gets a full point here. Cool. Is there replayability? Inherently, yeah. Even yeah. even if you beat this game... Well, I was going to say, yeah. That's, there that's are, I was going to do the score for this one. Yeah, there, there are multiple endings for this game. Like, you have to beat it more than once in order to get the full story. So this is the kind of a hand-in-hand thing in a way. But yeah, I, this is a full point. I'm going to continue playing this game. I know for sure. I enjoyed this so much. I enjoyed the gameplay loop so much. I will 100% continue playing this after this podcast is recorded. And that's not true of a lot of the things we played. Even if I give right. it a full point for replayability, there are yeah. things that I haven't touched since we recorded the episode four. Yeah. This more than most, I will revisit for a while. Yeah. I'm also going to give it a, a full point just because... Not only do you like kind of have to beat the game however many times, I think we said what eight, but like it builds each ending builds on the last one. So, yeah, if you want to know what's going on, you gotta play yeah. it again. So. And then, in addition to that, there are like daily challenges that are generated where it's only for that day, like it, it gives you incentive to continue playing. Yeah, no, man, absolutely full point. Yeah, is there a story? Yeah. And again, with the multiple endings, it kind of gives you all the information in that way. But I don't know that the story matters matters as much. <laughs> this I, I'm going to give it a half point because there could be like a really amazing reveal at some point. But that is yet to be seen. So I think you did this last time. A speculative half. Yeah. I mean, the elder has got to be the bad guy, right? It feels like it. Yeah. He's a dude yeah. in, a, in a cloak in a world full of neon technicolor fucking marty mcfly ass outfits so yeah <laughs> it's gonna be the, like the the village where you get to the other side of the fallow and find out that everything's fine yeah that could be yeah i don't think i'm gonna give it a point for okay. a story i think the average of 0.25 points for this one is where it belongs so you no gave it a Kelsey's. half no I know, I know. Goes. I'm just saying, between the two of us, <laughs> I think this is the right score. <laughs> no, for sure. All right, and finally, Dan, is it worth the cost? 
So this game retails at $19.99 pretty much across the board. This is one that I see less frequently on sale. I only learned yeah. about this game when we were looking for some new stuff to play. Like this hadn't come across even as big of a studio as Double Fine was for the longest time. This just somehow I missed this. I'd be curious to see its marketing on like Xbox. I I bet you it's on sale there a lot. That could very well be. I think it's just that we don't have an Xbox, so PlayStation's yeah. certainly not going to put it on sale. Yeah, if Microsoft is making all the money, right on this. Yeah. Now. That being said, nineteen ninety nine I think is a perfectly fair price for how much I've gotten out of it at yeah. this point and will yeah. continue to this is a five i haven't done a five in a while i don't think and i'm at a full five on this yeah this is also going to be five points for me i think this is a tremendous amount of gameplay for 20 bucks yeah and just the variety like with the mutations and there are certain powers where you can get like synergies between the two and that's right. so fucking cool they put a lot of thought into how everything interacts with each other and yeah i this is one of the easier five points I've given. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely totally comfortable with this. So that's going to put our final scores today at 9.5 points from me, nine points from Shay, one of the higher rated games we ever played. And I kind of just had a feeling it was going to go this way. This is such an enjoyable game. As frustrating as it is, it is so much fun. Right. I'm happy we randomly came across it. Yeah. But, oh, hey, Shay. Do you want to play a game? Dan, draw me up some railroads and highways crisscrossing across your board. I would love to play a game. This this bit is so strong now. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lex. <laughs> that is, of course, Railroad Inc. Yes. Uh, and you can find out more about that on the Virtually Analog podcast right now. But today, with all the mutations in Rad, I couldn't help but compare it to the different power-ups in other games. And as we've all learned at this point, that generally means that my mind migrates to all the weirdest examples in the topic. So today we're going to discuss exactly that with a little multiple choice quiz, because I haven't done one of those in quite a while. I tried to I tried to get away from the multiple choice <laughs> thing because it, it started to feel lazy, but yeah. Hey, listen, I, think... I appreciate a good multiple choice quiz. Well, good. I didn't try to screw with you on the answers this time so oh that's fun yeah it, totally just all out of character <laughs> oh i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> all right so it's going to be six questions today all based on different power-ups or or buffs or things like that in games so we're going to start off with our first question hallucinogenics our man mario loves himself some mushrooms mushrooms <laughs> that make you bigger give you extra lives turn you into a bee or a ghost, even some that poisoned you for a little bit of realism. Introduced in the Mario Maker series, what does the weird mushroom do? Is it A, Mario gets bigger, but he's all skinny and gangly, allowing him to jump just slightly higher than regular Mario. B, Mario and the entire environment reverse colors, also reversing the left and right control for 16 seconds. Or C, Mario becomes a random Koopa Trooper, complete with the corresponding power and all of the enemies appear as luigi peach toad and yoshi until you take damage uh that middle one sounds very specific for exactly 16 seconds i'm gonna go with b on that one i think yeah i wrote it to b that way <laughs> so it is a 
which it, I'm going that's to... That's fucking stupid. That's a stupid power. Wait till you see this thing. I'm going to send it to you in Discord right now. It is horrifying. All right, Shay, say hello to Weird Mario. <laughs> holy, holy fuck, that thing is disgusting. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I don't know... I don't know why they did that. He's got weird posture, and it just, it's awful. We'll drop this somewhere, probably on Twitter, if you haven't experienced Weird Mario before. Uh, <laughs> you need to share in our nightmares. But anyway, moving, <laughs> moving right along. Question two. Rupees, the crystalline currency in the Legend of Zelda series, come in a variety of colors to denote how much they are worth. In most oh, games, no. green is one, blue is five, red is 20, and so on. However, what do the special black rupees do in the Skyward Sword and Phantom Hourglass games? Is it A, they magically increase your wallet capacity by the amount embossed on the crystal, B, they remove rupees from your wallet, or C, they teleport you to an otherwise impossible to access black market, which is required to fully upgrade your Hyrulean shield and tunic respectively? I'd like to buy a hint, please. Do you have, do you have hints for this one? Can we take an answer away? Uh, you know what? I'll tell you what they're called, and okay. it's going to give you the answer, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, right. I, I'm not stingy with the points when I can be. I, I have a very strong feeling that without this hint right now, I'm not going to get any points in this quiz. What What's your guess, just out of curiosity? Like, without... My guess right now is B, but, like, C could also be it, and A could also be it. <laughs> Fucking Legend That's of Zelda how... games are fucking wild. Yeah. Well, uh, the black rupees are known as rupors. Uh, so I'm going to stick with B was the take one, take rupees away, right? Yeah. And that is exactly yeah. what it does. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for no discernible reason whatsoever, by picking up a crystal, you just lose currency. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. But yeah, it's a, a negative buff power up or whatever. It's usually yeah. in those mini games where you have to like dig holes or whatever. Like, I don't think you can find them just out in the field, but when you pick it up in Skyward Sword, Link makes this just gross, disappointed face, because <laughs> he's not the most expressive of the Nintendo canon characters, and they just sure. give him this weird frown, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's a point. But sticking with the topic of crystals, when are emeralds not emerald green, Shay? Well... When they're being hunted by hedgehogs, apparently. Because for some reason, in the Sonic series, the Chaos Emeralds have appeared in just about every color in the observable spectrum. But what I really want to know is, what pop culture icon does Sonic blatantly rip off when he collects all of these gemstones? Is it A, Goku, B, the Tasmanian Devil, or C, Superman? What? Yeah. So when you collect all of the the Chaos Emeralds, starting in Sonic 2, it gives Sonic powers, but who are they ripping off? And it's, like, not even debatable. I'm so detached from Sonic at this point, I genuinely don't know what happens when he gets And I can't Chaos blame Emerald. you. I can't blame you. <laughs> well, because, like, you know, in one game it does one thing, and in another game it does another thing, and, like... I, I mean, I would assume Superman, but I... Who the fuck knows? I, he does get faster, though. Right? That's uh, gotta be one of them. Well, there's there's a specific aesthetic choice uh, that they made. Oh, you mean when he goes Super Saiyan? That's right. Yeah. 
So that'll be Goku. That is Goku, yeah. <laughs> he just becomes yellow and more spiky, like he's going Super Saiyan. They didn't even, like, try to hide it. Superman was the red herring here because they literally just call it supersonic. It's like Super Saiyan, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Goku first transformed into Super Saiyan in 1991. Mysteriously, six months before Sonic 2 came out. Hmm. Uh, right i'm just kidding i don't know i mean you're not far off you're not far off so it's the worst and that's also his super smash attack in the smash brothers series yeah what a i still not aware of how they got away with that right but yeah just blatantly blatantly ripping him off (laughs) all right so that's two points so far up next our fourth question, over the course of their 30-game career, Kirby has added well over 100 copy abilities to his repertoire, from humble beginnings of fire-breathing and turning into stone, all the way to just basically becoming a car or a vending machine with the new mouthful <laughs> mode in 2022's Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Stylistically, Kirby's get-ups will occasionally resemble occupational uniforms or costumes that correspond with the power being used. Which of the following is not a discount Halloween rat costume Kirby has donned at any point. Is it a chef, a teacher, a doctor, a professional wrestler, or a magician? Well, so three of those Kirby's done in Smash Brothers. Yep. Chef, for sure. Doctor, for sure. I feel like wrestler was in Smash Brothers, but I don't know how it would be. But I feel pretty confident that that's one of them. Teacher or magician? I don't quite know why you would do a teacher. But that seems like it's there to throw me off. <laughs> but at the same time, magician for sure. Right up Nintendo's alley. I'm going to go with professional wrestler. It is teacher. Oh, Fuck me! Should have gone with your gut. I'm sorry. I should have. Well, so at the last second, I was like, what's something that Dan would throw in for himself? See, and I actively tried to not <laughs> fuck with you in this one. And so you put wrestler in there? Yeah, because there's multiple versions of that. He's worn luchador masks. He's he's done like just Greco-Roman style where he just suplexes motherfuckers. Yeah, wrestler is one of the really common ones actually. I'm right, I'm settled sorry. down. I'm Dan. sorry. I've I'm never sorry. played a Kirby game. <laughs> You've never played a Kirby game? No. Oh, you should play a Kirby game. They're good. Eh. 30 games, Shay. I'm surprised to learn that they made a Kirby game this year. To be honest with you. All right. Up next. Somewhat of an unofficial mascot of the Konami Corporation, what iconic real-world object has appeared as a power-up in games like Castlevania and Gradius? The Maneki Neko, commonly referred to as the Lucky Cat statue. The Moai, commonly referred to as the Easter Island Head statues. Or C, the Statue of David, commonly referred to as the Statue of David. This has appeared in almost every Konami game in some form or fashion. In fact, there is a website that I consulted on this, which is, I can't give you the title for because it literally has the answer in it. (laughs) But it has every example of this particular thing appearing in games. You can sort by developer, by platform, by title, by year. Like, this dude went all in on fucking locating this in games i'm not sure why but good for them the current total is 577 games 
in this this list. Holy shit. What are some other Konami games that I might know better than Castlevania? Well, they don't appear as power-ups, but um, let's see. Let's see. Uh... World Soccer, Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel. Yeah, in almost every soccer game, this is a, a thing that you can... It's got to it's gotta be the Easter Island head then, right? Yeah, it's the Easter Island head. Thank Christ. I was real worried that the seriousness with which Castlevania inexplicably takes itself was going to make it the Statue of David. I mean, it kind of doesn't. Like, I, I think that game is way more wild than people give it credit for. There's some real goofy nonsense in Castlevania. Even even though their overall aesthetic seems to be serious, they do not take themselves seriously, I don't feel. I feel like Castlevania is like the first season of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Where it's uh, like, yeah, we've okay. got to set the tone here. But also, look at this fucking clown. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, Christ, I've exposed myself live <laughs> on the air. <laughs> All right, and our last question for today. You you've got the the standard three points so far, so we're yeah, already I'm, I'm coasting. We're already now. good. <laughs> Just because I, I find these kind of things so interesting, I wanted to include a question about this. I don't know that strictly speaking you could call it a power up, but in 2013, Christopher Torres and Charles Schmidt filed IP infringement suits against Warner Interactive and creators of the Scribble Knot series. For those who may not know, in Scribblenauts, you can spawn nearly anything you can imagine as a usable item or power-up, uh, so long as the programmers thought to include them. As of right now, there are tens of thousands, literally tens of thousands of items that can be conjured, but what meme was not included in these joint lawsuits as IP infringement? Is it Grumpy Cat, Keyboard Cat, or Nyan Cat? I feel like Grumpy Cat was like some old lady's cat that she made into a meme i'm coasting fuck it i already graduated i'm gonna say grumpy cat yeah that's grumpy cat so all right uh, christopher torres owns uh nyan cat charles schmidt owns the ip for keyboard cat and yeah they reached a, a settlement and warner essentially now has licensing abilities for both of those they could put it in any game they wanted to at this point have they yet i boy i don't know i know that there is a nyan cat game for the switch for some reason but i don't know that it has anything to do with warner but yeah it i was christopher torres saying i got this warner money now so i'm gonna make a fucking game yeah why not (laughs) is putting it all on red and just spinning the wheel here because like i i don't i'm not gonna play a nyan cat game I don't know. That sounds like the least interesting game since fucking Flappy Bird. Without doing any research whatsoever, it's gotta be that kind of game, right? Like, it has to be. I feel like it has to be. On the Switch, though? Fuck me. Yeah, I'm saying. We're playing it for the show at some point. No, we're not. No. I. Everyone listening, we're we're not gonna do that. If we get to the point where we're scraping that low into the barrel, it's time to hang it up, I think. Yeah, I agree. All right, good. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for our quiz today. Four points added to the big board. Well done, Shay. Well, thank you. I uh, guessed on almost all of them. But that's also going to do it for us today for our episode. As always, you can follow the show at B 
BNGPod on both Twitter and Instagram, where we beef with Stadia stands and also <laughs> post things like our cheap codes, which are different sales that you should be aware of, and custom artwork for every episode. And if you'd like to share the show, you can do so with our hosting site, which is anchor.fm slash bngpod. And of course, you can always send us an email at brokeandgaming at gmail.com if you have any game suggestions, feedback, or just want to say hello. And of course, follow our now sister show, even though <laughs> it's our older sister show, Virtually Analog on Anchor. It's currently being uploaded to other services, but as far as I'm aware, there's like a double feed issue. Just because they switch servers like we switch servers back in the day. Yes. So. Yeah. Spotify, I think, is the only one that is having an issue right this second. But it should be resolved shortly. But in the meantime, you can follow Virtually Analog on Twitter at vert underscore analog. That's V-I-R-T underscore analog. Virtually Analog has a website, uh, which we haven't gotten to yet. Because why? But it's virtuallyanalog.info. The why is because neither of us have the time to design one. We really should have one just so we can post our final scores for games, probably. But That would certainly help us. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> hey, also send us an email if you feel like designing us a website for little to no money. Thanks in advance. All right. Shay, what are we playing next time? Next time, Dan, we'll be playing There Is No Game, Wrong Dimension, and we'll be joined by my co-host and friend of the show, uh, Lex. Always exciting to have Lex on the show. Always brings really, really good and well-thought-out takes on everything that we do. I'm, I'm always pleased to talk to him. So, yes, definitely an episode not to miss. What weird grammar. But until then... <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, absolutely everyone. Uh, goodbye, weird grammar and all. <laughs> <laughs>